Hello, welcome to Adapt, the podcast that is all about the iPad. This is episode 17, which is brought to you by Pingdom. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How are you, Federico? Hello, Ryan. I'm good. How are you? Doing great. I'm, you know, looking at the calendar, recognizing that January is coming to a close very soon. Which... How is it possible? Like, <laughs> where did the rest of the... Well, I, I know where the rest of the month went. Uh, at least for me, it went into writing. Uh, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. So um took me a while to recover from the holidays. Yeah, I you know, I have a, a funny experience every year around the holidays where I really enjoy the time of rest around Christmas and New Year's in particular. But then after New Year's, I'm, I'm ready to get back into things. And yet in, in our work, at least, it's kind of still a slow time for news, mm-hmm. a, a slow Ooh, time yeah. for apps. And so usually that week after New Year's, I'm like, okay, give me the work to do. And there's not as much going on. And I'm kind of like, I'm ready for things to pick up. So I'm glad that this week things have started to a little bit, but you know, I'm ready to be back in the regular swing of things. We are going to regret thinking this when <laughs> Apple will start announcing a new product every day. Remember last year when they had the week of announcements? And it that was, was like, fun. That, it was fun, but it was also a lot of work. <laughs> it, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so we thought that it would be nice. So CES is behind us. And of course, there were plenty of gadgets and announcements from different manufacturers, different accessories. But we thought, why don't we sort of put a spin on it and we talk about the accessories and sort of the gear that we use with our iPads. And so the idea was, let's take a look at our usage of the iPad and the accessories that we use, sort of the extra hardware that we connect, that we pair with the iPad, and let's talk about it. So instead of talking about the software and apps, which we usually do, uh, let's talk about the hardware from a different perspective. So why don't you go first, Ryan? Why don't you tell me about the accessories and the hardware that you use with your iPad Pro? Okay, well, this may take you know the rest of the episode here. I don't want to cut into your time, but I, I just use so many accessories. No, not really. <laughs> uh, I We were laughing a minute ago um, about the fact that you have so many different accessories that you have used, that you do use, that you're going to detail in just a second. And I am basically the exact opposite where I use uh, the smart keyboard folio that Apple makes. That's my keyboard. I keep it attached to the iPad all the time. I basically never use the iPad in tablet mode. Uh, I always use it with a keyboard attached. So I use that. And then I have the Apple Pencil, uh, which I use occasionally Honestly, the the most that I use my Apple Pencil is for highlighting in Apple Books when I'm okay. reading on my iPad. And mo- most of the time when I'm reading, I'm reading on my iPhone anyways, but there are times where I read on the iPad, especially like if I'm reading something that I need to copy notes for or something like that, I might use my iPad. And so if you use the pencil and just touch any text in a book in Apple Books, it highlights it, which is kind of nice. Occasionally, I'll edit photos with the pencil, but I don't use it too much. And then for this topic today, I kind of felt like, oh, I really need to get another accessory because I don't, I don't have much going on in that world. And so I, I did buy something that is sort of an iPad accessory, although mostly not. It is the Satachi 
USB-C magnetic charging dock for the Apple Watch, which I consider an iPad accessory because I use it by plugging it into my iPad. Uh, this is something that Satachi released uh, just in the last couple of months or so, where it's basically a little Apple Watch charger, but without any cords or cables. It just has a USB-C plug at the end so that you can plug it into your iPad Pro and charge your watch right then and there. And, and I like this because I don't typically charge my watch during the day. I usually just charge it overnight. But there are times where I've wanted to do sleep tracking and I, I kind of want to get back into that again. And the problem with that is you've got to find time during the day to charge your watch. And when I've done that in the past, if I put my watch on my normal watch charger during the day, then I'll sometimes forget about it or say I'll get up and move around a bit and I forget that I don't have my watch on and so I'm not going to get you know credit for my activity rings and all that. And so what I love about the Satoshi charger is that I'm working on my iPad all day and so having the charger right there plugged into my iPad is this visual that right in my face is, is showing me, oh, your watch is right there. You need to put it on before you get up again if you're, if mm -hmm. you're going to do that. And so it just helps me remember to put my watch back on so it makes it easier to charge during the day. I think it's also going to be nice when traveling just to throw this little accessory in my bag and plug it into my iPad when I need it. No extra cables to get tangled up. So it's a small thing. It's sort of an iPad accessory, mostly a watch accessory. But yeah, that's that's basically it for me. I really don't use accessories with my iPad outside of the standard keyboard primarily, and then, again, sometimes the pencil. Mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. you, it's a very different story, though. You've got a lot it's of interesting a, things going on. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very stark contrast. Uh, and it, it, it's been a process, right? So in putting together all this notes and, and links that listeners will find in the show notes, um, I realized how much of a journey it has been, especially uh, with the 2018 iPad Pro. I originally wrote about um, the different keyboards and cases and stands that I was using with my iPad Pro, I think all the way back in December 2018, I had an article called The Many Setups of the 2018 iPad Pro. And a lot has changed since. Um, and I guess what I'm going to be talking about here, um, I will try to break down by areas or, or like by type of setup. Uh, so I will cover my uh, smart keyboard setup and my desktop mode sort of setup, uh, podcasting and, and a few other things. Um, so the, the big thing that I realized over the past year, over the course of 2019, is something that I was not ex expecting from me, but I realized that I have a profound interest in, in modding, so in modifying accessories and hardware with like physical modifications to make them work better for me. I've done it with the AirPods, for example, um, you know, adding an extra memory foam layer to the AirPods Pro silicone tips. And, but really, the, the accessory that started it all for me was the smart keyboard. So the original Apple smart keyboard. I've mentioned this before on Connected and here on Adapt. I wrote about it on Mac Stories, I think, back in May 20, 2019. 
in the Beyond the Tablet story. The first mod that I did to my smart keyboard um, is I applied two metal kickstands to the bottom of the smart keyboard to allow me to have more viewing angles than otherwise supported by default. So these metal kickstands, they are made by a company called Spigen, and they are, in theory, smartphone kickstands. It's a tiny little metal thing that sticks to the back of a phone uh, with uh, adhesive tape, really strong adhesive tape, and it flips open so that you can prop up your phone uh, on a table, on a desk, usually in landscape mode, so you can watch a movie, you can you know, play some video games, and it stands upright. And I was given this tip by a Mac Stories reader, I'm sorry I don't remember your name, m- many, many months ago. And this person said, why don't you use these metal kickstands and you stick them to the back of the smart keyboard in such a way that it'll, they allow you to use the smart keyboard, they'll keep it on, but prop up the iPad at an angle so that you can type in software keyboard mode. Because something that I do, unlike you, Ryan, is I like to use the iPad in tablet mode uh, without the physical keyboard. But I find it annoying to have to remove the smart keyboard every single time. So I was looking for a way to keep the iPad inside the smart keyboard, but also prop it up at an angle in landscape mode so that I could touch type or use the Apple Pencil, like have, you know, do the occasional drawing or just. Uh, even play touch games without having the iPad laying flat on a desk. And so the first mod that I did, I basically, I bought these two metal kickstands. I stuck them to the back of the smart keyboard and they've been sitting there for months and I love it. It's great. They basically weigh nothing. Uh, They are super lightweight and super strong. And whenever I need or I want to use the iPad Pro, with a smart keyboard, but propped up at an angle, uh, it's like a 30-degree angle, I think. Uh, I can just flip open the kickstands, fold the smart keyboard uh, underneath the iPad. The kickstands will rest on the back of the smart keyboard, and the iPad will stand in a, you know, at an angle, uh, allowing me to, t- to type and just take a look at the screen better. And since then, I've added uh, two more kickstands to the back of the smart keyboard, Uh, in a different place uh, to allow me to use the iPad in movie mode. So again, uh, same idea. Uh, You fold the the front cover. So you you fold the keyboard underneath the iPad and these two kickstands allow the iPad to stand upright vertically so that I can watch a movie or I can watch a video without having the keyboard in front of me. Uh, So I have a total of four kickstands in the back of the, smart, of the smart keyboard that allow me to prop it up with two different angles. One for t- touch typing mode and the other for movie mode. Following me so far, Ryan? Yes, and okay. just for those who are listening, if you go to the link in the show notes for Federico's Beyond the Tablet story, you'll see a bunch of screenshots of this. Yes. He, he walks through it all in the accessory section, so you can get more detail there. Now, uh, we, get to the, we get to the latest uh, additions. Now, a few weeks ago, I, uh, I actually believe last week, I was talking on Connected 
about how I dislike the default method for attaching the Apple Pencil to the iPad Pro. I don't use the Pencil a lot, but I like to use it every once in a while to annotate screenshots or to highlight things in PDF documents. And I and I've all, I like the fact that you don't have to plug the Pencil into the iPad anymore, as was the case with the first generation Apple Pencil. I do like the magnetic uh, pairing and charging, but I dislike the fact that the pencil never stays in place for me whenever I throw the iPad in a bag. I always end up having to find the pencil somewhere else in the bag. So a connected listener who goes by the name of Italian Baker uh, sent us a video, uh, and I believe we can use the video in the show notes. There will be a Vimeo link of this wild smart keyboard modification that he did uh, for his iPad Pro. In the video, you will see it starts and it's it seems relatively normal, but then you get to a point where this person literally cut a hole in the Apple smart keyboard <laughs> to use a plastic kickstand. It is wild and I love it. However, I will not cut a hole in my smart keyboard, but I do recommend watching the video to get the idea of what is possible. I did, however, steal one idea from Italian Baker and his iPad smart keyboard mod, the Switch Easy cover body case. I had no idea this accessory existed, and I am absolutely in love with this product. So, the cover body is a cover for the back of the iPad Pro with a smart connector pass-through, which means you can put the iPad into this cover and you can still use the Apple smart keyboard. It's super thin and there's a pass-through, so you can just, you barely even notice the cover body when the smart keyboard is closed. You can use the smart keyboard as normal, you can continue typing, you can use two the two default angles, it's fine. What the cover body adds to the top of the iPad is a a plastic holder for the Apple Pencil so that the Apple Pencil stays in place. However, the way that it's designed, you can still use the magnetic attachment for the Apple Pencil for pairing and for charging. There just is a new plastic structure around it that holds the pencil in place. And when you want to use the pencil, there's a hole in the back of this plastic holder. So you put your finger in and the pencil pops out and you can just take the pencil and start using it. It is, so this is for me a perfect accessory because it lets me continue using the smart keyboard. It basically adds no bulk to the iPad Pro. It does have protection around the edges of the iPad Pro. And I wish I knew this product existed earlier. Because my the aluminum edges of the uh, of the iPad Pro are all dinged up for me, so I wish that I, I had known this before. But this is basically perfect because it combines the benefits of like I can continue using the smart keyboard, but now the pencil never detaches from my iPad Pro. And again, uh, go take a look at the video. It's a bit more involved what Italian Baker, which is by the way the perfect username. Um, what this person did. But yes, the Switch Easy cover body, latest addition to my smart 
keyboard setup, and I love it. So the cover buddy adds a pencil holder, and it protects around the edges of the iPad, and then everything else is just essentially it's compatible with the smart keyboard. Yep. Folio, so yes. you've got all the everything that comes with that normally. Okay. Yes, because there's a pass through for the smart connector, so it just uh, you, there's literally like three the three dots for the smart connector, so it passes through from the iPad to the cover body to the smart keyboard folio. Okay, that's really interesting that someone came up with a device that's yeah. compatible like that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and there's a bunch of other alternatives actually on Amazon, but this one I got in the dark in the dark gray version. Because I thought that it, uh, it looked to me like it was the the thinnest one of the alternatives, and it also it fit the smart keyboard aesthetic better than others. There's one I saw on Amazon that is like a clear plastic uh, thing, and it looked to me like it was a little too bulky for my uh, preferences. So the Switch Easy Cover Body, I think it's the original one, and then a bunch of other companies, um, you know, did their own thing. Now. What I'm about to say will sound like a total surprise to you. I already know that I will not hear the end of this uh, unconnected because Mike will complain about this to no end and I'm fully aware of the consequences. Um, so last year, when I was at the beach and I was working on my iOS and iPadOS review, you know what I noticed, Ryan? besides the fact that writing at the beach is really lovely, that writing in direct sunlight with the iPad Pro is really not ideal. Um, no. <laughs> reflection and glare <laughs> makes it basically, basically impossible to get you know, serious typing work done. And so I, I needed to like, uh, find the perfect spot under the beach umbrella. It, it was really it was really uncomfortable, honestly. So, so do they make sunglasses for iPads? No, they don't. Okay, uh, I'm afraid okay. they just make regular sunglasses. Now, I am currently waiting. I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. And I need to preface this by saying I didn't purchase this accessory for the qualities related to drawing or using the Apple Pencil. I'm waiting for the paper-like protective screen film thing. Oh, so that's like the textured. That's like the textured um, film screen protector. Uh, okay. that basically turns. It's called paper-like because it's meant to add texture that feel uh, makes the using the pencil feel like writing on paper, having that texture, that friction on the iPad. Now. I did not purchase this accessory because of that. I do not care about the texture. In fact, I believe I will not like the texture. However, one of the benefits of the paper-like is the glare protection um, in direct sunlight. All the photos and the videos that I've seen, you can really tell the difference between an iPad screen without the paper-like and an iPad screen with the paper-like film when placed in direct sunlight. So I want to see, I want to explore whether having the paper-like will allow me to use the iPad Pro with a smart keyboard outside, whether it's at the park and especially at the beach, more. 
because I really like I want to be able to to work outside, to work at the beach, to get some work done at the beach when you know the dogs are the dogs are playing and you know maybe Sylvia is listening to some music and I want to get some editing done in the summer for my review. And last last year was really uncomfortable for me. So I know that Mike and Steven will make fun of me. There's a whole story about Mike trying the paper like and me sort of poking fun at Mike because of that. <laughs> so, so I accept the consequences, but I want to see what it's like. Let me ask you one question. Is this something that you can easily remove and then I don't reattach? Know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. In fact, I don't believe so. So, so you might have a beach iPad and a home iPad going forward. Worst is that what you're saying? <laughs> scenario. <laughs> it is a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> because if like if a new iPad Pro comes out uh this spring or in June or whatever, I may actually consider like leaving one iPad Pro with the paper like and just like Apple Notes, IA Writer and Safari for writing and editing your review and then the iPad Pro for everything else without the paper like. Because if this thing does work and lets me actually see my text document at the beach, I'm probably going to leave it on. So, Have you looked to see if there are accessories that are specifically made to reduce that sun glare? Like that's the purpose versus, honest, whereas in this case, it seems like it's kind of a side benefit. Yeah, honestly, I, I haven't. Okay. Uh, and I should have probably. I should have looked if there's like a protective film uh, that's just designed for glare protection, but without the texture. Yeah, and maybe I, something that, that can be easily added and removed rather than something that, that physically like sticks to the... I don't know, maybe there's mm. something that can kind of slide over the, the iPad screen and then you can take it off when you're not using it. I don't know. You maybe, know, maybe now that you exists. mention it, yes, and I will look. And in fact, if Adapt listeners have any recommendations for that kind of product, like a... Pe- a product that has the benefits of the paper-like for sunlight protection, but without the texture and friction thing, which I do not, again, I do not care about the fact that it's like paper. I do not like paper in real life. I try to have as little paper around me as possible, but I do do like the idea of a matte, glare-free display, for sure. So if listeners have any recommendations, do let me know on Twitter. Uh, That would be lovely. Now, that's about it for the smart keyboard setup, uh, Ryan. So metal kickstands, switch easy cover body, and I'm waiting for the paper-like. Um, now, I also use my iPad Pro in desktop mode. And when I do, I like to switch things around a little bit. Um, so I'm using the clear look iPad stand. This was recommended to me by Mike last year. It is a good-looking and relatively minimal uh, stand that lets you keep the iPad at uh, the same level of your eyesight. Basically, you can adjust the stand vertically and you place the iPad into this sort of um, uh, plastic holder uh, that lets you use the iPad either in landscape mode or in portrait mode. And the main idea here is that it lets you raise the level of the iPad so that you're not that you're not looking down at the iPad on a desk which I found that for me 
uh, I feel a little bit of neck pain if I work with my iPad at a desk for like four or five consecutive hours, which again, usually happens in the summer when I'm working on my iOS review. So I found that being able to keep my head uh, not staring, not looking down is better for my neck and better for my shoulders. So the clear look iPad stand lets me do that. And when I connect the, when I place the iPad into the stand, obviously I cannot use the smart keyboard. So a few months ago, I want to say three months ago, I bought, uh, I bought both the Logitech MX Keys keyboard, so the latest one, and the Logitech MX3 uh, mouse. Now, I really love the, Log- the Logitech uh, Bluetooth um, mice and keyboards. They have great build quality. The keyboard is really sturdy and not lightweight at all. It is a desktop keyboard. It's got the number pad, which I absolutely hate. <laughs> I really do not like number pads. I think they're useless. Um, uh, I mentioned before, I am not an accountant. I don't need all those numbers around me all the time. But they don't make, uh, 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 what do they call it, like a tanky less uh, version of this? Um, I have no idea only... what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's called a tanky less, um, you know, when they do not have the number pad. They only make one version, so it's fine. And the Logitech MX3, I had the MX Master 2S until last year. Logitech came up with a new version that uses USB-C for charging and has a much, much, much better placement for the extra buttons on the mouse. And of course, uh, thanks to iPadOS 13, you can customize the functions of these extra buttons on the mouse. So I have one button that takes me back to the home screen that if I double click it, it opens the app switcher because effectively it simulates clicking a home button, even though the iPad doesn't have a home button anymore. And I have another uh, button assigned to show in the dock, another one that opens control center. It's really nice and fun. You can also run shortcuts this way. You can assign a specific shortcut to a button of the mouse. So when I want to, again, when I want to switch things up a little, I remove the iPad from the smart keyboard and the Switch Easy cover body. I place it into the clear look iPad stand and I connect my keyboard and my mouse. I have a shortcut that enables assistive touch mode from the shortcuts widget so that basically I just need to turn on the mouse, run the shortcut. The mouse is instantly paired to the iPad and the cursor appears. So I can control the iPad's interface using the mouse. Takes me about 30 seconds to set up, and it's really nice. And it's my neck thanks me because I'm not staring down at a desk for multiple hours. Uh, Usually, I don't... uh, Again, the desktop mode, I only use when I know that I'm getting... uh, When I'm about to start a long work session. But if I need to work for an hour, it's fine. I just use a smart keyboard. If, it, if I know that it's going to be like three hours, four hours, then I use the clear look stand and the keyboard and the mouse. Um, so this is relatively standard. I don't think there's anything crazy going on here. Would you agree, Ryan? Yeah, and you don't use your... Because uh, you have a, what is it, the LG 4K display 
do you use that as well when you're kind of in desktop mode? Uh, well, yes, sometimes. So I also wrote about this before. Um, the desktop mode, I tend to use in, there's two scenarios. One, when I'm working on a large mind map. I use MindNode for this. MindNode has specific support for outputting content to an external display with support for 4K displays on the, on the 2018 iPad Pro. So when I'm working on the... Usually it's the mind map for the iOS review. And I want to have a bigger version of that on the external display. I run a single USB-C cable from the iPad Pro to my ultra-fine 4K and I can take a look at one area of the map on the iPad and a different area of the map on the external display. Also, MindNode is getting a major upgrade with MindNode 7, I believe this week, or if it's not this week, then it's next week. And they have this new feature called Visual Tags that I've played around briefly with the beta, and I think this will be a major improvement for the way that I uh, put together my mind maps for the iOS review. It's basically a way to do natively what I was doing before manually with emoji. Uh, I like to use emoji as like visual in like indicators in a map to group similar issues or topics together. And now MindNode has a native way to do this with visual tags. And you can actually filter your map by tag and you can jump and you can highlight all the branches that have a specific tag. It is super well done. And I will probably write about it sometime in the future. Uh, so either I use the external display for the mind map or when I'm struggling to concentrate on writing, I uh, so I do this whole thing where <laughs> I run a USB-C cable from the iPad to the external display. Uh, I place the iPad in kickstand mode, so in uh, with the with the metal kickstands by the side of the display. Um, I run a, a lightning to USB cable from the Magic Keyboard that I usually use with my Mac Mini uh, from the keyboard to the ultrafine. So the Magic Keyboard becomes the iPad keyboard. And I basically work with the large version of IA Writer in front of me. So when I want to see a big text editor and nothing else, that's what I do. I close the door of my bedroom slash office and I just look at the ultrafine and that's been useful for me when I cannot concentrate. I usually prefer to work in like in the kitchen at the kitchen table um, because it's more of a, you know, it, uh, it's a more open space and I don't like you know, locking myself in my bedroom to get work done, but sometimes it is necessary. And when I do, I prefer to do with, to work on the ultrafine that way. And you may ask, why don't you just work on the ultrafine with the Mac Mini and IA Writer for Mac? And the answer is because I prefer working with iPadOS. <laughs> we talked about this before. It's the reason why we do a show. So yes, um, I used to rely on the ultrafine more before. I don't use as much lately. But every so often I do. It usually becomes, it is more in use in the summer 
when I'm struggling to put together the mind map for my review or concentrating on starting my review. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So now, um, this is a quick aside. Uh, Sony Walkman. So we mentioned this product before. Uh, I like to, every so often, I connect my Sony Walkman high-res audio player. I have the W1 WM1A. It's part of the Sony Signature series. Um, every so often, I like to connect the Sony Walkman to my iPad Pro and use it as a DAC, as a digital to uh, digital to analog converter, uh, so that I can listen to Apple Music um, with my good Sony headphones. I think we I mentioned this on Adapt before. It's the Sony Walkman, which I usually use as its own audio player with my own audio library that I store on an SD card as FLAC files. But every once in a while, I like to browse Apple Music and listen to tracks on Apple Music with my good over-ear Sony headphones. And to do that, I have to find a way to connect my Sony headphones to the iPad Pro, which is impossible now because the iPad Pro doesn't have... And uh, the audio jack anymore, but my headphones actually do not have the standard uh, 3.5 millimeter audio jack. They have a balanced audio jack, which is a 4.4 millimeter cable. So I use the Sony Walkman as a as a bridge between the iPad Pro and the Sony headphones. To do that, I had to buy this uh, specific Sony um, USB converter. It's an adapter that I bought from Amazon Japan. It is called the Sony Micro USB uh, NWM10. So it is a the Sony Walkman has a, a special connector that it's not USB. This is a dongle that turns that connector into micro USB. So I also purchased purchased a micro USB to USB C cable so that I now have a relatively compact solution to connect my iPad Pro to the Walkman. The Walkman has a special USB DAC feature. As soon as it's plugged into my iPad Pro, this screen pops up on the Walkman that says, hey, do you want to use it in DAC mode uh, for uh, an external USB device? And you accept, and I connect my... You can then connect the headphones to the Walkman, and the iPad actually recognizes the Walkman as an output device. Uh, if you open Control Center and you expand the audio tile, you will see that uh, Walkman becomes an output option so that I can listen to Apple Music and I can use Apple Music, but actually have the audio pass through the Walkman and go straight to my Sony headphones. So it's a nice way to use my Sony headphones with a streaming service because the Sony Walkman player that I have is a completely offline device. It is not one of those modern Walkmans with like Spotify integration or Tidal integration, which is something that a bunch of other audio players do. This is a totally offline device. But if I want to stream and explore an online catalog, I found this to be a good solution to sort of combine the two worlds together. But yes, it required me to buy this specific and really kind of expensive. It's like a $50 dongle for some reason um, from Japan. And then uh, I, I believe any USB-C to micro USB adapter would work. 
But yes, uh, this is, once again, another example of what you can do thanks to USB-C on the iPad Pro. Well, I think it's kind of fun. Maybe two people out there will relate to this story, but I wanted to mention it because I think it's fun. Any questions? I, I don't think so. I'm a little okay. overwhelmed at all your accessories, but we're not, we're not done yet. You've got we're not done more. yet. We're not done yet. Um, podcasting. So again, you can find a lot more details uh, in my Beyond the Tablet story from May. I actually had a whole chapter about this with uh, multiple sections and photos plenty of links and explanations, but I want to recap what I do. So last year, inspired by Jason Snell and his experiments at Six Colors, I figured out a way to be able to record podcasts on the iPad Pro using the setup that I like to use, which means having a Skype call, not having to use an additional iPhone, and being able to record a local audio track on an SD card. Um, I was able to do this by purchasing um, this USB interface. It is called the Sound Devices USB Pre 2. Now, this is the USB interface that I normally use with my Mac to record podcasts. And it's an expensive piece of, of equipment, but also podcasting is part of my job. I, you know, I, I have a total of six podcasts now. So it's a, it, was a, it, it was an investment for me, but it totally paid off because this is the kind of USB interface that you can use with a Mac and you can use with an iPad. So I was really happy with this purchase. And essentially what I do is this. Sometimes I am not able to record podcasts in my bedroom with, at my desk with my Mac Mini. It's either because maybe Sylvia is resting or maybe I'm not at home and I need to record podcasts on the go and I don't have a MacBook Pro anymore. So what I do is I use the iPad Pro with a USB-C hub. It's called the Kingston Nucleum Hub. This is the only USB-C hub that I found on Amazon that has two things going for it. A good build quality. It's not a piece of plastic junk. It's really well done. And it comes with two, not one, but two USB-C ports. One for power, one for data. Now, this whole setup, and again, you can find more details at the original uh, Six Colors story from Jason, as well as my podcasting from iPad Pro chapter from the Beyond the Tablet story. This involves having a Zoom H6 recorder for the local audio track and a USB Pre 2 interface that acts as a bridge between the Zoom recorder and the iPad Pro. Uh, the idea would be that the Zoom recorder connects to a microphone and saves a local audio track on an SD card, and then there's a cable that runs from the Zoom recorder the USB Pre 2, the USB Pre 2 is connected to the iPad Pro so that effectively you have a bridge between the words you're saying into the microphone and the person on the other end of the conversation on Skype running in the Skype app on the iPad. It's an expensive setup. Again, 
Jason mentioned this. I mentioned this. I part of my job is making podcasts, so it, it was an, it, it was important to find a setup that would allow me to do my work, no matter my location. And this, I want to say, this is not an ideal setup. This is not the perfect setup. It is full of compromises, uh, starting from the price up until you know all the cables, the actual physical cables that are involved in this setup. But I will tell you, Ryan, it does work. It lets me record podcasts on my iPad Pro using the microphone that I like to use, using the USB interface that I like to use. And it's even gotten a slightly better over the last year thanks to iPadOS and the new Files app. Because now, when I'm done recording, I can just take the SD card out of the Zoom recorder, plug it into the Kingston hub, connect it to the iPad Pro, and I will see the SD card as a location of the Files app, uh, which I can, you know, I can take the audio file and copy it to Dropbox, and it's done. Um, oh yeah, I should mention the last piece of the equipment is the, this is one that, uh, an accessory that I really like, the Oki uh, dual USB-C charger. This is a GAN uh, charger. It's, what's it called? Like gallium nitrate, something. It's a new, these new types of like USB-C chargers that have like different components that uh, because of the specific material that they, they're using now, they can be much smaller. And this is a dual USB-C charger, which means it's got two USB-C ports. One is a 60-watt USB-C port with power de- delivery, which is perfect for the iPad Pro. And the other is an 18-watt port for smartphones or like a Nintendo Switch, something like that. And when I'm using the iPad in podcasting mode, I run a cable uh, from the 60-watt uh, power delivery port into the Kingston Nucleum that goes into the iPad Pro. And basically, the hub charges everything, the iPad, and the Zoom recorder, and the USB Pre-2, and uh, yeah, it's a bunch of cables, but it works. There's Again, there's photos on Mac Stories. The only difference from those photos is that I don't really use the bridge keyboard anymore because I either use the clear look stand or just a smart keyboard. And with that, Ryan, I believe we have reached the end of my long list of accessories and setups. Huh. Okay. So I, I have <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. No, this is great. I, I feel like because you know, all of our listeners are a diverse bunch of people who do different things. And so I think the fact that you've tried basically all accessories and you can tell them about <laughs> those accessories is is a great service to our listeners. Um is is there a I know this is a funny question considering everything we just walked through, but is there a particular accessory that you wish existed, but that uh, doesn't? Mm. Well, uh, the, the thing you just mentioned, the, the protective uh, film that doesn't have a paper-like texture, that would be lovely to have. Um, yes, though. Um, ideally, I shouldn't have to mod my smart keyboard with kickstands and the Switch Easy cover body case. I would love Apple to make a smart keyboard pro that has like more 
angle options or like a built-in pencil holder or who knows, maybe a trackpad, maybe you know, maybe it's backlit, you know, that kind of stuff. I would love to have a, a more powerful smart keyboard. And otherwise, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't like to put my iPad in those bulky cases. You know, there's people who do, and I understand. Uh, there are all kinds of cases that have like super thick protection around the edges of the iPad and whatnot. I don't like that. Um, so I would say, yes, uh, some kind of, well, I would like an iPad <laughs> with a built-in matte display. I would actually pay extra for that, just like people pay extra for the, uh, what's it called, the Nanotexture um, Pro Display XDR? Is, right. that, is that the name? Yeah, I, so, I, would, yeah. I would pay extra for a Nanotexture <laughs> iPad Pro display, uh, but that's not an accessory. So I would say, yes, uh, really, a pro version of the smart keyboard. That's what I want. All right. Well, we have links to all these accessories in the show yes. notes. So you can check those out. Check out the Beyond the Tablet story, especially in the accessory section there. There's a lot of the things that Federico talked about that you can see visuals of and even further explanations. Um, but we need to move on to my challenge. Uh, before we do yes. that, let me thank our sponsor for today. This episode of Adapt is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this podcast and hearing about all these accessories, how would you know if your website had gone down? Uh, would you know if customers couldn't click that all-important Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it's not, you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That is more than 400,000 outages every single day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. Pingdom lets you customize how you're alerted, uh, depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they will track and analyze your website's load time, so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL that you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM. And when you sign up, use the code ADAPT at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. Now, Federico. You gave me a challenge. Would you like to remind yes. our listeners of what that was? Your challenge was to use the iPad to learn at least one sentence in a different language. So I tried a variety of apps to help me out here. Let me, sh should I say my sentence now? Sh let's, I I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. I, I want to give this a try. Okay. Yes. I decided to take somewhat the easy route and go with Spanish. Okay, And uh, Yeah, I mean, it, 
it's not too dissimilar from English. Um, and I, I knew a tiny bit of Spanish. You know, I've learned just very, very basic Spanish. I didn't really know anything that's in the sentence that I'm gonna gonna recite here. But uh, but it was helpful to have at least a, a starting point of familiarity with the language. So what I learned, I've been practicing this. We'll see how it goes reciting it on a podcast. But my sentence is. ¿Quién es el hombre alto con el tatuaje de pez? Which, it is pretty good. Which means, um, Federico, who is the tall man with the fish tattoo? <laughs> which, if, okay. if, if our listeners are familiar with the Great Connected podcast, they will understand that reference as referring to my co-host. But... That is amazing. That is a beautiful sentence, Ryan. Thank you. You <laughs> even have. I'm looking at the at the text uh, version of the sentence here. You even have the upside down question mark thing going on yeah. at the beginning of the sentence. I, nice I don't. Job. I don't even know what that means, but that's okay. That's how questions are are written now in Spanish. They okay, have the okay. question mark at the beginning, which I think actually like. I think it's a good idea. Like, this is totally a tangent, but I think it's a good <laughs> idea because the, the upside down question mark at the beginning of the sentence sort of lets you know. So the, the purpose would be that it lets you know at, at the beginning of the sentence what kind of tone the sentence will have. So That's you very start true. Because it, you know it's going to be a question. So I think it's, you know, I think it's, idea yeah that's a great More point. languages uh, should have uh, adopted the same approach anyway yes go ahead okay so what got me started is i actually looked up on the app store uh, learning a new language something like that and i found a story that the app store editorial team put together called learn a new language which just had a variety of apps in it and so some of them i'd heard of before some of them i hadn't uh, but I tried out a total of four different apps to help me learn the sentence and to help just expose me to the different language learning options that are out there on the App Store. Uh, what I discovered pretty quickly is that uh, language learning apps are not particularly made oh, for no. the iPad. Uh, they, they seem to be designed primarily for iPhone. And the, the main evidence of that is that none of the apps that I tried, several of which are, I think, among the most popular options on the App Store, and then some of them I hadn't heard of before, but uh, none of them support split view or slide over on the iPad, which if you use the iPad much at all, you obviously have a great deal of value for split view and slide over. And, and even you know, as you're learning a language, it could be especially helpful to have another app on screen that could help you in that in some way. None of them support those multitasking modes. Uh, one of these apps doesn't even support landscape orientation. It only works in portrait. So that's, that's unfortunate. Um, all of these apps have free modes where you can do a certain amount in the app without paying anything, but then they have subscription plans for when you want to spend more time digging into additional features, etc. Now, there are a couple that I tried, which are actually the two I'd heard of before, that were both pretty similar. Uh, one is Duolingo, and the other is Memrise. Uh, both of them have pretty fun designs to them. They've got uh, just kind of a, a fun, whimsical design. Duolingo has all these different characters in it. Um, in Memrise, when you're learning a given word, it will show a brief video of a real person saying that word. 
And it just adds some, adds some, you know, color to the app in, in making it more interesting than just here's a, a word written in text, now learn it. Um, but those two apps were similar in that they both really employed kind of some basic fill-in-the-blank type exercises, um, matching different words, things like that. They were fine. Uh, you know, I, they weren't my favorite, but I, I definitely recommend them in, in the sense that they are very popular. They, they both offer a lot of different options for languages that you might want to learn. And again, it's just a nice app experience with the design. Uh, another app that I tried, which I hadn't heard of before, is called Busu. Mm. And Busu was great because there's just so much variety in terms of the different exercises you can do to help you learn the language. So one thing that's nice is there's uh, an audio element that takes advantage of the iPad's microphone where it will say, the app will say a word, and then it listens to have you say it back, and then it kind of grades you on how well you pronounced it. Uh, you can listen through a conversation in the language that you're trying to learn as it's spoken. So it, there's a mode where it will show you what looks like kind of a typical text message conversation written out between two people. And so you can follow along reading that conversation as it's being spoken by the characters which I found was a really nice way to, you know, one of the keys with learning languages is kind of immersing yourself in it and even just, you know, being involved in conversations between people who are having um, dialogue in that language. And so this was kind of a nice way to do that in Busu. And then there's several other modes where you can, you know, write out or speak what you're learning. Um, and there's even a, a feature that lets real people uh, kind of judge how you're doing oh. with what you're writing or what you're saying. And so you can get help from from people who are experts in that language. So Busu has a lot of good options in it. It wasn't my favorite app when it came to design. It was more, I don't know, kind of businessy uh, and plain in its design. But, it, you know, it, it worked well for the purposes that it was trying to serve. My favorite app that I tried... Uh, funnily enough, because it is the one app that doesn't support landscape. It just supports portrait orientation. Uh, but it was an app called Drops. And uh, Drops kind of employs a like Tinder-style swiping gesture for learning words. And so what it will do is it will put a word on screen, and you can either swipe the word down, which shows that you want to learn that word, and it'll add it to the library of words you're going to to learn or you can swipe it up if it's a word you want to skip so maybe it's a language that you already have a little bit of familiarity with and you already know that word so you don't need to learn it again or it's just not a word that you think would be particularly helpful for you say if you're you know trying to cram in um, as much important vocabulary as you can before making a trip overseas and where you're going to need to speak this language you can just swipe up and you'll skip that word um, but i found it was Pretty fun kind of going through, swiping up and down. And then that same mechanic is employed when you're actually learning the words. So one of the exercises that uh, Drops has you do is you will drag the appropriate word to match the correct picture of what that word represents. Or you will drag different parts of words or phrases together 
into the correct order that they should be in to form a sentence. And so this drag and drop method is really employed all throughout the app in various ways. And uh, as you're doing that gesture, the app will regularly speak out loud the words that you're trying to learn, which I found was just kind of a nice like way to get those words in my head, that just that added repetition of the app saying the word kind of every step along the way was helpful. Uh, overall, I just felt like it was a fun way to learn new words, to learn a new language. The app lets you uh, use it for free five minutes per day. Uh, that's counting the time that you're actively reviewing words, actively learning words. So it doesn't count, you know, downtime or you're just kind of poking around the interface, but it's five active minutes of learning and doing these exercises. And even that limitation, you know, certainly it's not, it's not great if you really want to spend a whole lot of time learning more quickly and cramming in a lot. But, but Drops seems like a great, just kind of quick app that you can hop into, spend a few minutes working on your words with this fun kind of drag and drop and swiping gesture system. And it, it just feels really approachable. Uh, if, if I really were trying to learn a new language, I think it might be the first app that I went to because I could see myself doing that for a few minutes every day and enjoying it rather than making it feel like an exercise. So those are the apps that I used. Um, that's the sentence that I kind of learned through the process. And uh, yeah, I don't know that there's much more to say than all that other than I wish that you know mm. the iPad was prioritized a little more by the developers of yeah. these apps. But I understand why not, because realistically, the iPhone, obviously, there's a way bigger market for the iPhone, but also... One of the important things in learning a language is repetition and kind of doing exactly. it in you know small chunks um, every day versus trying to cram in a couple hours in one sitting once a week or something like that. And so the iPhone's the device that most people have with them all the time, so it makes sense. But it would be really nice to have at least you know split view slide over. I'm not asking for multi window or anything like that, although that would be nice too. But uh, yeah. Well, you did a nice job, Ryan. Very good job with the sentence. The sentence is, is amazing. So uh, some really fun ideas here. And again, I understand why, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, these apps, they lend themselves well and better to the iPhone rather than the iPad. Uh, but then again, if you're a student and you're studying language, you know, maybe you have a, you know, with the iPad, maybe you have PDF documents and you need to do actual you know studying and research um but still the fact that you were able to install these apps on the ipad um you completed the challenge so good job uh and also really great sentence <laughs> yes i thought you would like that one well it looks like we may have time for just a few quick ask adapt questions so for our listeners who have questions they want to ask about the iPad, maybe about some of the accessories you talked about today or different apps, just write us with the hashtag AskAdapt on Twitter. Uh, any tweet with that hashtag, we will see it, and we may be able to answer your question in the future. Uh, our first one comes from uh, GP Mike, who clearly listened to last episode in me talking about <laughs> using my iPad for board games. And he says, I'd love a few board game recommendations to try out on the iPad. So the level of quality of board games on the iPad 
uh, has a wide range to it. There's there's several games that just are fantastic in kind of adapting the physical board game to an app and to a digital experience. There's some board game apps that are like seven years old and they're not updated very often and they aren't as great. But um, I just want to give a few quick recommendations. Uh, Splendor is a card-based game which has just a really excellent app experience, very high quality and well done. Um, it's it's a fun game that's pretty easy to learn, and the app has a good tutorial to help you. Uh, another game is Ticket to Ride. Uh, Ticket to Ride is where you you are placing these little trains onto a map that is trying to get your trains from one location on the map to another, and you've got kind of a a hidden um, number of goals for which routes you're trying to make that your opponents don't know about, and they've got their own routes they're trying to make. Uh, the app is really well done. Uh, it starts with a U.S. map, but there are expansions where you can kind of through in-app purchases gain access to maps in other parts of the world. So that's fun. And then another game is called Mystic Veil, which is a deck-building card game where you start out with a number of cards that have different abilities. Uh, it's kind of a fantasy theme, which is fun. And you use your cards to then buy other cards, which upgrade the cards in your existing deck. So you're constantly upgrading your cards to make them more powerful, so that then when you get them in the future, uh, it's a deck-building game, so you're constantly running through your deck, reshuffling it, and using it again. So when those upgraded cards come up in the future, then they enable you to do a whole lot more. It's really fun, and the app is, again, just really well done. So Splendor, Ticket to Ride, and Mystic Veil are a few places I'd recommend to start. Uh, next, Muhammad wrote in. He had a question related to a something that he's seeing in iPadOS, which really shouldn't be there. Um, there's a transparent square that huh. is showing up mm -hmm. on the screen when he loads the share sheet. And he says that it really slows down the system. So he's just kind of asking, you know, what is that transparent square? Um, and this is, you know, it's a bug. It's, it's a bug in iPadOS. Yep. Um, this has been, as, as we've said before, iOS 13 and iPadOS 13 have been particularly plagued by bugs. And there's a lot that's been fixed, you know, now that we're on 13.3. But there's a lot that really hasn't been. And some things have gotten worse over time. And this is one of those issues. Um, so hopefully it will be corrected in the future. Yeah, I've seen this, this issue myself with different extensions um, activated from the share sheet, uh, from working copy uh, to, a, I believe I've seen it with a pocket one. It, it happens for, since iOS, iPadOS 13, for whatever reason, I have no idea, but yes, I've seen it myself and it's very... Annoying because it's one of those things that once you see it, you cannot unsee it anymore. So hopefully it'll uh, fix itself magically at some point in the future. All right. And then finally, uh, we had a listener write in uh, named Greg, who just had some things to share with uh, one of our other listeners and any other people who may be interested in using the iPad to run a PowerPoint presentation. And specifically, we had a question a while back regarding using a clicker to kind of 
click through the different slides in a presentation. Uh, Greg just had a few tips for anyone else who's interested in this. Uh, one is that he mentions that David Sparks, a uh, fellow RelayFM podcaster, has recommended Satachi clickers uh, several times in the past that work especially well with the iPad over Bluetooth. Um, I have got a link to one of those in the show notes, but uh, Satachi actually advertises these as working well with the iPad. And so that is an option for people who need a clicker that they know will work well with the iPad. Um, Another thing is that Greg mentions that Keynote really has more options here than PowerPoint does. So if at all possible, when building your presentation on the iPad, using Keynote gives you more options and more flexibility. Um, One reason is that Keynote has a special presentation mode built in to its iOS app where you can run Keynote and run a presentation on your iPad and then control the slides for that presentation on a different iOS device. So using Keynote on your iPhone, for example, you can cycle through your slides and run your presentation that's actually running on your iPad. And so that doesn't work as well if Let's say you're giving a presentation where you're walking around and you're going to hold a clicker in your hand. You know, holding an iPhone is not quite as convenient in that case. But if you're in a stationary position presenting maybe behind a podium, then that might work out. And then another option that may work if you're, say, behind a podium is using a Bluetooth keyboard because Keynote has excellent keyboard shortcut support. Uh, So that's something else to look into. Now, Federico, before uh-huh. we close out this episode, mm-hmm. I would like to give you a challenge. Okay. And my challenge for you kind of has two parts to it. Um, I, I hope that's okay. Uh, the first part is I want you to kind of do a survey of the different email apps that are available on the iPad. Try out maybe some email apps you haven't tried in a while. Um, identify some of the strengths and the weaknesses. And the reason I want you to do that is ultimately so that after kind of sharing a little bit about those key apps, you can then share what would be your ideal email app, kind of taking various features from different apps and putting them together in what you would view as the perfect email app for iPad. Because As you and I both know, and I think probably a lot of our listeners would agree, there really isn't a perfect email app for iPad. Mm -hmm. And so curious to hear, you know, what are the options out there? And then how might you kind of take the different pieces, the different strengths from those options and bring them together in one perfect app? Okay, this is fun. I like like downloading apps and checking them out again. I think I know where this will be going in terms of mm, what my ideal app should uh, should be like. But I actually haven't looked at third-party clients in a while because I've been using Apple Mail. So this is this will be fun to sort of uh, learn a few things again. Yeah, this is this is not, you've been kind of soft on me lately, <laughs> Ryan, which I appreciate uh, because these are this is not a this is not like a difficult challenge, but it will be uh, time-consuming because I like to do a good job 
you know, trying a bunch of different apps. So yeah, this is fun. I like it. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing what you come up with. And uh, for that, it is time to close out the show. This has been episode 17 of Adapt. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Pingdom. And to find the show notes for today, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 17. And if you'd like to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at iRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And we are both writing at maxstories.net. Uh, in fact, very soon, if it's not already published, you should see a story from Federico regarding some of his must-have apps. So uh, a lot, a lot exciting mm-hmm. going on there. That'll be up soon. Uh, but until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.